more it's a very basic story it's just told a little bit more than competently um <laughs> I can see Chase. <laughs> Sorry, I tried so hard to keep that in. I... <laughs> um, my my well, issue being controversial in saying like the the level of performances elevates the writing because I feel like yeah, the no, absolutely. The... Are yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with that. It, it, it's it's presented really, really well. Welcome to the Well Played DLC podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast. I am your host, Adam Ryan, joined by Nathan Hennessy. Welcome. James Wood. Hello. And Jordan Garcia. Hello, hello. Now you'll notice that I am not Zach Jackson. It's because our Blue Heaven Honey is off enjoying some well-earned rest. Um, He'll be back, not next week, but the week after, so you'll have to put up with my terrible segues for, for two weeks. But outside of that, how are we, gentlemen? How has the week been? It's been actually pretty damn good. So we've only just started off the week, and one of the starts to my week now is doing Monday Night Trivia with Mr. Fabruge, who we don't see much Ooh. of these days. And look, uh, last week we came in first, which made us feel kind of like Melbourne royalty because this is hosted at Fortress in Melbourne. So we're taking on the nerds of the city from right around Melbourne and the suburbs. So for us to triumph was quite the achievement. It was only our second week in, but we gave it our third week this week, and we're going to make a habit of it, I suspect. But we did not come first. We didn't come second. We didn't come third. No, there were 15 teams, and we came seventh. We weren't too... We weren't too upset about that. You know, we'll make a redemption arc. The thing is, if you come first, you get a drink to have $100, and... You know, our Brains Trust, obviously headed by Mr. Fabruge himself, LKV. Uh, yeah, that might got a might have got a little little too much on the tipple. And uh, look, I don't know if that's <laughs> going to really benefit your answers because I know he, he stubbed us a couple of times there. He definitely had the answer and let us down. So yeah, week is starting strong. What about you, fellas? Just just quickly, is it? I'm guessing it is like nerd based. Oh, oh yes, mate. Not a week goes by without at least a Harry Potter question, uh, whatever, uh, League of Legends, Dota, maybe something in the Overwatch realm. There'll be some obscure JRPG stuff, which is where I like to tilt <laughs> my hat. Uh, some my anime <laughs> intros and maybe a few famous quotes from some nerdy Hollywood blockbusters. So, yeah, they, they nail it in that regard. So we're quite at home. Whereas when I used to do... Uh, trivia at your local, Adam. They'll chuck uh, the occasional sports question at us, and we'd all just sort of mm, look vacantly disgusting. into the distance and wait for it to be over. Who the fuck yeah. knows about sports? No one in my trivia team. I can tell you that because <laughs> the the trivia that Nathan's mentioning at the good old Mayfair. Every time it comes to sport, there is one person that I think played rugby in high school, and we're like, you know this one, yeah? Because, you know, if <laughs> if you play a sport with a ball, then you know all of the, the sporting answers. That's but, exactly yeah. it. It's, not, it's definitely not me, but, yeah, Fortress Trivia sounds like an absolute baller of a time, and Chuck KV in the mix, and, oh, it's a recipe for a delicious evening. It certainly is. Yeah, so, guys, James, can mate, you top that? <laughs> James, tell me about your week, mate. How's, how's it cruising along for you? 
It was a pretty okay start to the week. I got out of town over the weekend, which was nice. Always good to see a bit of the countryside in good old SA. Oh, yes. This was uh, Zach saying that it was a, a bit of a Wolf Creek situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A bit yeah, of a cool. Wolf Creek situation. Exactly right. Um, and then pretty promptly got thrown into a possible COVID exposure. So today was my <laughs> rat test and hide day. Um, nice. I played about four hours of God of War. So that's productive. Um, so, you know, bit of good, bit of bad. It's all flowing. God of War, <laughs> the rat test, man. Uh, well, uh, mm, we'll get to it. <laughs> of course we will. Uh, but Mr. Garcia, how's your week been? Oh, it's been uh, not too bad. Just been, you know, doing the old God of War as well. Uh, doing work as well. And then uh, applying for a potential new job prospect would be pretty exciting. Ooh. Always an exciting time. Who doesn't love writing a resume? Everyone loves that. I, I think I spent like most of my weekend building it and writing that resume. Yeah, they're they're really not the funnest thing in the world. But you know what is fun? Board, uh, not board games. Board games are fun. Board games. Video games. <laughs> and there's been two mentions of God of War so far, so I feel like I know the answer to this. But what have we what have we all been playing over the past seven days? Nathan, kick us off, mate. What do you got going? <laughs> Uh, ironically, yeah, nothing in the video game department, nothing that I can talk about as yet, but it has been board games for me. And uh, there's only two offenders. One's a, one's a common or regular offender. It's uh, Spirit Island, which I've mentioned here a couple of times before. For those that don't know, it is a kind of the reverse of what you expect in most uh, board games. Most a, a, lot of, a lot of core board games are usually about dominating territories and stuff like that. And they often have colonial themes. You know, you'll be a explorer adventurer claiming new lands and we don't really care too much for the uh natives that we uh you know dispose of or, or in in the process unfortunately and, and that has been the case for a spirit island uh turns that formula on its head and has you play as the native spirits of an island of natives that are forcing back the conquistadors the uh spanish uh, settlers so that, that's quite a time. It's quite a challenging game to wrap your head around. The other one that we played, which was uh, far more easily to digest, was Betrayal at Boulder's Gate. This is a spin-off of the popular uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill series uh, with the Dungeons and Dragons trappings that Boulder's Gate is known for. It's okay. You know, it's, it, you, you're effectively half the game. You are moving from tile to tile, you know, creating an environment as you explore, you're placing down new tiles as, as you move from room to room, um, picking up items, events, and, uh, omens, uh, effectively bad events. And then at halfway through the game, the game tips on its head and maybe one, two, everyone, uh, goes into a, a trader mode, a free-for-all. There, there's all these different kinds of like little twists and scenarios that eventuate halfway through. So, you know, that, that's, that's not too bad. I've got some friends that are really into that. And, uh, yeah, that, that's that's all I can talk about, just a couple of board games. Delicious. There's nothing wrong with getting around some tabletop. It's uh, it's where we're both comfortable. So fair play, mate, fair it's, play. It's, it's always a delight to bring up when it's uh, you hosting, mate. Um, Love being definitely get a lot more enthusiasm from, from you than old, mate. <laughs> You don't like the, yeah, well, anyway. (laughs) 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 But hey, video games. We we won't rag on our leader too much. Uh, James, what have you been playing that isn't for content? Yeah, so I did a couple of hours of Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Oh, you did? Yeah, got got that bad boy up and running, did a quick stream of it. Um, So this is the, the Sam Barlow... 
uh, I guess, retelling of the first game, like a bit of a creative reimagining of, of those events. Um, I love it so far. Ooh. I can see why people didn't love it at the time, especially Silent Hill fans. This game is um, like a weirdly passive experience. There isn't really combat as such. You get like very segmented monster sections where you're just like forced to run away from things. But the bulk of the gameplay is just really minor puzzle solving and exploring like sort of ghost story vignettes of people who've died in small town America, um, which if that sounds pretentious to you, uh, that's what makes me excited about it. Like I think reimagining Silent Hill through a like sort of socio-political-ish um, landscape, at least at the beginning of the game anyway, this is opening hours, mind you, um, has been a lot of fun. And I, I really like the aesthetics, where it's going. I'm excited to play more of it. And uh, it was a really interesting contrast to God of War, which is the other thing I've been playing, not for, for content at the moment, um, going from something that is so crunchy and so weird to this like ultra polished brand new product um which has some of the edges sanded off in in some ways and that that contrast was really interesting damn man that's so cool no um i'm glad that you brought that up I'd re- because obviously sam sam barlow is the hotness at the moment or has been a couple of years ago uh, a couple of months ago rather uh I, I would be so keen to play this yeah so if we you know let, let, let's hopefully hear a little bit more and uh, pledge season comes up in a couple of months and maybe I can lock that one in if I remember. I'd be excited. I want to hear more. I think, yeah, I think you're going to get something out of it. It is, I think it'll scratch the itch. Love it. Like, and also it's instantly Sam Barlow. Like the first 30 seconds, I was like, this is a Sam Barlow joint. Like (laughs) um, it it very, very cool stuff going on. I really don't know what to expect. That tickles me. Yeah. Stuff, two games that are, Pretty much on the opposite sides of the the gaming spectrum, so I, I love bit. that bit of yeah. bit of variety. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of variety, Jordan, what have you been up to, mate? Ah, uh, oh, I mean, it's been a while since I've been on the podcast. Uh, naturally, I've been playing the shit out of Persona Five Royal because I actually never played Royal when it released. So when I got to play it on PC, I was like, you know, after I've done my uh, stuff with it, you know, I'll actually just go through the entire game and. Uh, can you see why it's better than five, which is already brilliant? Yes, um, but the Akumara boss fight is still a piece of shit. <laughs> Actually, that dungeon, that uh, that palace in general sucks. If it, uh, I would say uh, it'll be garbage if it wasn't for the fact that the music for it is so good. Have Have you reached? You, you probably haven't yet, but have you reached no. the angel stretch that's in those final no, like no. dozen hours so, or something? It fixes like, the fuck out of that. I, that part made me sour on five. Like five went down the rung for me on the Persona rank because of that end stretch. It's fixed. Okay, cool. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I think I'm like three days out from like the the deadline for Akuma, despite me getting him down in the first day. Uh, <laughs> I love doing that. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't played it for about a week just because I've been busy with other stuff. I've been playing, uh, I keep forgetting the name, I just call it Sackboy's Big Suck Off. Uh, a big, big adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Sackboy's Big Sackwack. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because uh, it hit PC. What a grand old time that game is. It's I love just, its use of licensed music. Oh, it's so good. Uh, it was just, because oh, I, I was streaming it for a friend as I was playing it. And it was just marveling at how how well the music is integrated to the experience overall is uh and even like the the way they use melodies rather than just the songs themselves so like i'll sing along to a song and they're like 
I didn't even realize it was that. I'm like, yeah, it's that. Um, and then to, you know, because it's almost the end of our uh, pledges, uh, I've been doing my Pokemon challenge. So I've been doing a Soul Link Nuzlocke in Pokemon Black 2. Uh, that has been sheer chaos. I've failed eight <laughs> attempts so far. Um but I'm at the seventh gym and the way a soul link works is there's two people playing at once. So me and my cousin are playing and we do our encounters at the same time. And when we catch those Pokemon, those Pokemon are linked. So if I, if my one dies on my side, it dies on his side and we lose it. Uh, and oh, that uh, sounds so our, irritating. our two parties are treated <laughs> as one. So we can never double up on a primary type. So say I have a normal type. He can't have a normal type unless unless it's a Pokemon secondary type, not the primary. It's just, it's painful. Um, Sounds like Excel spreadsheet. The game. <laughs> yes and no. To, to link link up what you all have. Yeah, yeah. What we what we do is um, when we catch the Pokemon, we mesh the Pokemon's names together so we can track it easily. Okay, that's not a bad idea. Right. Uh, yeah. That has been very interesting because, you know, everything was going good and then all of a sudden I look over and my cousin's, like, got this little pip-plop and he's fighting God. And I just go, oh, well, this could be it. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, you You're just... You're getting sort, through it, though, so that's yeah, good. Yeah, hopefully he I can get it this. done. It's, it's yeah. brutal. <laughs> I, I think I'm at, like, 30 hours of attempts at the moment. <laughs> it's it's rough. Um. And as you two you saw earlier, I was uh, playing Returnal. Uh, yes, lovely. good choice. You know, it's just it's, I would argue it's one of the actually I'd argue it's the best PS5 exclusive. Um, mostly because yeah, the other ones are, yeah. the other ones are still PS4 as well. Um, I was going to say there aren't that many. Yeah, <laughs> slim picks here. Um, and then yeah, that other generic action game that everyone's talking about. <laughs> that one yeah that nice one. well you've again there's there's variety is the the spice of the the week just gone by the sounds of it because we're all playing a variety of different things um i've not played a great deal outside of content other than god of war um i was saying to jordan and james before nathan jumped on that i played a bit of overwatch 2 on the pc pool because that's okay and he was Just telling me how much he loves playing shooters competitively on PC. It's his favourite. Fucking hate it. God, I got rolled and it was a shit experience. Yeah, shit, man. That's not what I want to hear. Yeah, yeah I've, I've had it installed since it released and I have not bought myself to launch it because I don't know if any of you folks, may, maybe Jordan played uh, Overwatch 1 when it first I launched. Did. There was I, no meta. It was I just pure chaos. Lot. And I reveled in it, you know, five yeah. Yeah. Uh, f- uh, five or six person Torbjorn teams and stuff like that just absolute <laughs> wackiness and now the, it's a big turn off to me that there's like roll queues and that and they're really yep. trying to force the roll, and roll queue be... is where the game really took a nosedive uh, it just felt like the quick play was being taken way too seriously that's I understand right. it for I understand it for competitive makes yeah sense. for ranked absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but for, like, for quick play you know let people six stack stupid things it's about being dumb and having fun Mm. So I'm still a bit nervous on that one, but uh, how, how are you feeling on it, Adam? Cold? Leave you cold? If, if I'm playing on console, I'm having a good time because yeah. the the skill level is somewhat where I'm at. But being in the, the, the PC pool, <laughs> oh, fuck. Being in the PC pool is not, like it's a nightmare. It's just oh. dreadful. You see the like the the replays and I'm like, I don't even see my 
character on the screen. I don't know how they fucking kill me. Like it's, yeah, it's a rough time. I won't be doing it again. That's for sure. But yeah, bit of a, bit of a quiet week for me as far as non-content gaming, but we should uh, have a chat about the content that we've been putting Ooh, out. No, before we do that, you got, it looks like you got a little toy on your camera there. Those at home can't see it, but uh, what's that? You got some little God of War flavor in the background there. What's, what's going on there? I do. It's a big old box that... Hold that thought. Oh, a little bit of show and tell. Uh, we'll, we'll narrate oh. it for you, dear listener. That was housing the the big old Thor's hammer from the... Well, that's a spoiler. Adam's Thor. Collector's edition. I am. I can lift the hammer. Adam's head. But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a cheeky little package that has not a, a huge amount of bits and pieces in it, but the bits and pieces it comes with are pretty high quality. So that's kind of... What you'd be after in those collector's editions. Money's worth? Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I, I think when you I buy a collection, collector's edition, you never ask if it's worth the money. You just buy it. No, and I already had the game, so I knew I was pissing away money, but I was excited enough for <laughs> the game where I didn't mind that much. I haven't redeemed the code because I already had the game. So, But I'm I'm happy with it. It can go with all of my other useless shit that I have in this room. And can look nice while I'm working. Yeah, I had to I had to pull the plug on buying collector's editions years ago when I was like yep. moving all the time. So yeah. good on yeah, you, man. I, <laughs> Enjoy I have while not you can. bought one in a very, very long time for, for that exact reason because moving house every year or so, it's uh it's not fun. Yeah, I, I, I stopped buying them uh just because I was happy with what I had. And when I moved, I was like, Oh thank fuck I stopped buying these things. <laughs> yep. Yep, they take up space. Especially because we downsized. Downsizing is the worst of it. Yeah, it's a a rough old time. But hey, enough about uh, dust collectors. Nathan, it's a a huge moment for you, mate, because a game that you reviewed recently has broken a bit of a milestone for you. Can you you tell us about Pentiment? Oh, yes. Yes, it would be my delight. So, uh, as Adam is alluding to there, we won't bury the lead. This one here is a godlike 10 for the website and in fact it is the what's the third 10 the that third we've seen this year. year fellas yeah third yes yeah. so it's uh yes, indeed it's look i think it's done exceptionally well to sit or stand shoulder to shoulder with elden ring and the not strangely not too dissimilar immortality and the reason i james (laughs) no uh i i was about like okay full full disclosure cards on the table i was about to quickly write up a news piece while you were talking and then you referenced an immortality i was like and i'm right back in boys like (laughs) tell me this this descript uh these uh similarities please you lit up there for a minute so look i did uh in in the nature of not bearing the lead pentiment is a combat free narrative adventure at first glance it resembles something of a point and click game i don't think it necessarily fits the point and click mold because in a point and click game you're expecting certain things you're probably expecting puzzles there are puzzles here but they're no more than a mini game of like you know fitting a jigsaw together that you know you could get a three-year-old to finish it's just there as a sort of pace uh, like a pace breaker um it's not really driven by uh, much in the way of a, a particularly linear narrative. Like there are certain events that are going to take place, but they're going to vary from player to player because this game is almost entirely dialogue driven. 
conversations are very much fed to you in a way that you're expected to respond and there are always responses. So very little or very few conversations are going to be taken out of your hands. So it's a very dialogue-driven game. And I suppose if we're going to stamp any kind of theme on it, I guess it fits somewhere in the kind of detective genre of games, maybe something like your uh, Sherlock Holmes types games. But even I feel like that is reductive of what we have here. So this is a set in the 16th century. It's semi-historic. It's set in a township or, or rural community uh, in the south of Germany. A lot of this stuff I've discussed in the preview a couple of months back, so I won't repeat too much here, but we're playing as Andreas Mailer. The game is actually set over 25 years, so we're actually retreated to something of a localised saga. So initially, Andreas is in this community. He's in the neighbouring monastic abbey. So this is where your nuns and your monks of the Catholic faith congregate. And they're also responsible to as kind of like the lords or the lordship over the, uh, the rural community of Tassing. So they have to take taxes. They have to make sure that these peasants are effectively in line with certain laws, holy laws and expectations of the Roman Empire of the time. And as an Andreas, you get to sort of walk between these two worlds. And you do, you know, you spend, you, you board in the town, but you work in the abbey. And as you're working, you're an artist completing their masterpiece so that you can then, which is kind of as expected as a kind of graduating step before becoming a master of art and opening up your own art studio. You're expected to go to university, create a, then, then go on a kind of journey, you know, travel to culture yourself and gain inspiration, then create a masterpiece. And it's these kinds of details that permeate the entire game. Everyone's got a vocation in this world. Everyone's vocation is deep. It's drenched in uh, history, ritual, tradition, and this game wants to indulge you in all of it. So there are games with good writing and there are games with good writing. And this is definitely in the quote-unquote good writing sphere. Uh, this game wastes absolutely no time in bringing you up to speed on the world, its inhabitants. It's got a very modest ensemble cast. You're going to get to know all of these characters over you know, the decades and generations that this game takes place in. So initially, and I can't talk about anything more than just the first act. So if you've read, watched, or heard anything of this game, you've only seen the first act. And in fact, only the first two chapters. And this game is about seven or eight chapters. So this is actually quite a large game. Over 20 hours long, in fact. Uh, so it's it's a just straight off the bat, if you've seen anything of this game, you know, it's quite visually interesting. It's using late medieval art, you know, woodcuts that were used in printing presses and the like to give you that kind of mo me European medieval flavor. There's a lot of color used. One thing that you need to be aware of is even though this is a game set in the 16th century, it's not using Middle English. It's using very plain modern English. So it's actually a very easy game to read. And it's a very, because there is so much dialogue, you expect characters to be conversational in style. They're actually not too wanky. And if you come across a character that is speaking kind of in they, thou, and thy, they're trying to be a wanker. So that, that therefore is illustrating their character. So these are simple people, simple folk, and therefore it's a game that is quite simple to follow. Every single conversation in this game has the potential to shape the course of the world and what you're doing in it. There is no, there's, you never know if you're walking into a minor conversation. So you're going to want to talk to everybody. You're going to want to explore every inch of this town, of course. 
there's also a time mechanic. So similar to like we talked about regarding Wayward Strand recently, you're not going to see everything. Your conversations are going to move a clock forward and you're going through days in full length. So you're waking up in the morning, you're going through what is effectively the clock or, or, or structure of the day that the Holy Roman Empire sets out. So you'll, you'll go to your work and then you'll go, there'll be like set times for dinner, set times for meals. And every time a meal takes place, uh, that, that all the characters are obviously during these periods, they're going to be changing their place in the world. They're going to have new things to talk about. Um, you're going to decide who to share meals with. That actually becomes a very important little detail in the game that you're always going to be hunting down people around the town to share a meal with, and that becomes its own little mini game, uh, which also opens up new avenues for gossip and indulgence as you're basically trying to work out who has murdered a nobleman that has visited the alley. So the alley, oh, sorry, the abbey. So, you know, that this community needs money to thrive. It needs money to stay afloat so that they can, you know, import food and, and you know, make sure that there is sustenance and uh, ability to perform works and repairs. And, you know, that it's the mundane life of a rural community that you're entrenched in here, but entrenched you are. So when this nobleman visits, they're basically a patron. They're going to be giving some money to the abbey. But there is a something, some some dark things that are going on here. This nobleman certainly doesn't have the let's say the greatest respect towards the nuns and female uh, and women amongst the peasantry. This game deals with quite some dark adult themes. Uh, I won't obviously. I'm, I'm alluding to some things here, and the fact that they've been murdered. Let's just say that everyone and their dog has motive here. And solving, as I said, this is only two chapters of the game. Solving this murder is going to have consequences, not just for uh, the the Abbey, who need, obviously, for this to fall on someone's head. And they do have... There, there is a elderly monk that's first seen with the body holding a bloodied knife. So we want to sort of vindicate them because we don't believe, you know, that they could have performed this murder. They're far too meek and mild and have no clear motivation, unlike everyone else. Um, but, but because you are the de facto detective here, you've taken this upon yourself, you'll be given the opportunity to basically select anyone as, as the perpetrator here. And that may not necessarily be the person that's uh, killed them and you won't necessarily know the game is just going to move on regardless and the consequences are going to be written as the game goes on so you know you might choose to kill a particularly belligerent townsperson that's been giving you shit the entire you know first few hours of the game and you will make enemies in this game regard you know it might be because my my andreas chose to be a flirtatious orator so i'll try and talk up every woman in the town at every given point and then not realize i've earned the ire of uh, someone who might have been courting one of these, um, you know, peasant maidens. So then, you know, they've got cause to give me shit. And I'm just like, well, I like this woman. I'm going to have this person basically moved out of the way uh, and they're going to die effectively. I'm going to I'm going to come up with a reason why they're the guilty party. I thought I had chosen what I considered to be the person that appeared to have the murder weapon and everything locked in place and the game doesn't really want to give you any hard answers as to if that's right or wrong. It just continues. So I'm not entirely sure whether or not I did the right thing, but regardless, there's actually a darker undercurrent here in this mystery. There's someone 
pulling the strings of this town. This town not only, it, it, it may be a Roman Catholic town, but because it is set in a German rural community, you've got to remember this has pagan origins. So there are people here that are old enough to remember when there wasn't a strong Roman presence, when there were, you know, the wild gods. In fact, you know, German fables like the Wild Hunt and that are actually a big part of this game. Uh, if you've obviously, if you have anything to do with The Witcher, you'll know about the Wild Hunt, and similarly, it's presented here with a different person at the mantle. But um, there's there's all these dark undercurrents, and as these decades roll on, there is someone still pulling the strings here. So the murder that occurred was, let's just say, provoked by someone as who's a mysterious third party, and they're going to keep pulling the strings as the game goes on, and. Then it becomes, yeah, you've got these smaller mysterious arcs, but over the course of this 20-hour mystery, you're trying to figure out who is this sole party or person responsible for all this chaos and tragedy that keeps recurring in this community. And you're going to feel emotion when a character that you like becomes the victim of the next tragedy 10 years down the track. Uh, And then you're going to be put in a bad position where, once again, you've got two or three, you know, four in-game days to try and get clues and figure this out. And you don't know if you're pulling at the right threads. And the game doesn't care if you are or not because you're you're pathing your own way through this mystery. Very similar to Immortality, I will say, in that the game doesn't want to point you in a direction. It wants to go, here is a lot of interesting threads. All of them are viable pull at them at your own volition. We're not going to tell you if it's right or wrong or if you should or shouldn't because regardless, the narrative is going to be your narrative and what you make of it is going to be the authentic experience that we want you to have. Ask me what I didn't like about this game. Yes, I have questions. Um, Being that, because I like the the open-ended narrative, I think that is... A very strong way to position something like this, but I can see that some people might find it. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be come across too strong, but they, it might not be all that fulfilling to not get a definitive answer on if you've done the right thing or the wrong thing. I suppose if people, you know, are used to doing things like Infamous or Mass Effect, where it's like you've done the right thing, you've done the wrong thing. Here is red Here's and a blue. blue point. Yeah, Ex- yep. exactly right. Mm. Is does the narrative wrap up in a way that is satisfying or is it going to depend wholly and solely on how you've played through the game and if you kind of vibe with the more open-ended kind of storytelling? There's two answers there. So in terms of what I will vaguely allude to as the micro-mysteries, the mysteries that take up the acts, um, you're not, as I said, this game's not interested in giving you hard and fast answers. And that for me, was in no way a weakness and did not feel unfulfilling because it wasn't the vindication of, oh, we've laid someone, we've beheaded, you know, the perpetrator. Someone's going to die, but there's going to be consequences regardless. And you may not know what they are initially, but, uh, you know, I will just quickly say, and it's not spoiler territory, but in the first mystery, everyone alludes to what the consequences might be if them or their neighbour is chosen guilty. So for the townsfolk, it will mean, you know, children growing up without parents, things like that. For the Abbey, it means controversy. And 
you know, a nice little historic tidbit here is this abbey is one of the last of its kind. You know, life is moving on. We're moving closer to industry. This is the 16th century. We're only a couple of centuries out from industry. The Holy Roman Empire is becoming more modern. The Lutheran movement is becoming a thing. You know, religion is becoming contested within the church. It's losing its power. So the Abbey's like, well, if we can't pin it on the townsfolk and it falls on us, we might get shut down. We might be, you know, nuns and monks that are disconnected from the world that have to try and reintegrate with it. And what does that mean for us? Uh, are we going to get, like, slaughtered by the peasant folk because we've been taxing them too much for years? So there, there are these consequences, and you're going to see those consequences in real time, you know, and over the years. And it's a big deal. It defines this world. It moulds this world that you're going to spend 20 hours in. But on the, the, the second answer there is the overarching mystery. Who is this mysterious party that's orchestrating these events to occur? Then that's what you're going to be solving when the game comes to its conclusion. And this person can't help but keep putting their fingers in the pie. And the fact that this does take place over decades and character, this is a small community. So characters are dying of old age. So you're constantly becoming aware that your pool of suspects is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and you are going to get closer and closer to a definitive answer so i guess in that regards you are going to come to a satisfying conclusion of this is our bad guy and you have caught them delicious what a i could uh, i could listen to you talk about this game forever i think <laughs> Uh, okay. You mentioned it takes about 20 hours. So I guess I've got a couple of questions directly pertaining to that. So a uh, two part here for you. Yo. One is the voice acting good enough across the whole thing to sort of like maintain your interest in it and your comfort level with the humor and whatever else is going on. Uh, and two, you've mentioned in your review how good a job this game does at hiding the gamification of its systems, right? Uh -huh. um, and as a direct comparison to Immortality, you know, Immortality does the same thing. It essentially presents itself as a magic trick, but you get in, you get out in three to four hours, right? And so mm. you don't really have enough time to start noticing the systems. Um, so do you think that that sort of um, goal uh, maintains itself over 20 hours, which is quite a long time for something like this? It is, and I think the only way it's able to... Hmm, there, Look, I think you've raised one of the most pertinent points. One, one of two possible criticisms I could raise, that yes, it is long, and because of that, you are just in effectively this one small location for that entire time. There are a couple of variations here and there where you might have s s try and trek outside the border, but for, for the 98 99% of the game is set within this community. Um, so in the first instance there with the voice acting, this game is completely devoid of voice acting. There is no voice acting in this game whatsoever. Oh, it does okay. something that delighted me the entire time throughout. So rather than voice acting, you're treated... Actually, the sound design here is its own little uh, curiosity. So the game uses a lot of diegetic and virtual sounds. What I mean by that is... Uh, in terms of voice acting, it is the sound of ink being scratched on paper and or, or ink being scratched on parchment. If you can imagine, it's a somewhat coarse, resistant scratching Scratchy. sound. Yeah. Yep. It's extraordinarily satisfying. I did compare it to some close within the realm of ASMR. It was, and each character that you talk to, generally speaking, has a different writing style that denotes their educational lack thereof. So the peasant folk... They have a very loose cursive that would be considered quite common even and the game kind of 
um, plays a bit fast and loose with this because obviously a lot of these peasants are illiterate and therefore oral history is their way of communicating, you know, stories and and preserving myth and fable, which is a big part of this game. Uh, one thing I quite liked is in this in this time, in the 16th century, you know, the Lutheran movement is really picking up momentum. And it's, at, I don't know if you know your religious history, that's going to be a factor in how much you enjoy this game, aka why I really got off on it. Uh, at this time, the Lutheran movement was picking up because it was able to distribute manuscripts en masse to debate the Catholic Church via the printing press. So when you speak to characters that are enterprising with the printing press, rather than hearing ink scratched on paper, you're hearing the mechanical clatter of a printing press, and it's got its own little visual style of wood of wood carvings or wood, yeah, wood wood cuttings. I can't remember what they're called being placed into the printing press and then stamped over. It's a very satisfying little uh, visual or rather pre presentation detail that I loved. Uh, just another thing on that point, I mentioned in my review and the pros there that it, this is an ironically flawless presentation and you may not know what that means initially. I've only mentioned it in one line of the review here, but uh, frequently, constantly as characters are talking to you and these uh, the, these characters of words are being scratched onto the parchment in front of you they're making spelling mistakes and stuff like that as as you'll like to do and then the game has to scratch it out with a stone effectively so you've got to hear as it scratches it out and then refills it in to correct the spelling mistake and it also has to ink the outlines of these letters so it's a great little thing to behold over 20 hours it doesn't get boring in this regard but this is a lot of reading so you've got to approach this like a book which leads me to my one partial criticism. If you don't have an immediate affinity for this middle age historical narrative, if these don't typically excite you, if the idea of indulging in interpretations of the classics is not something that gets your heart rate up, then this is going to be a real hard game to sit through because you won't have that initial enthusiasm that this game requires to pull on your heartstrings and and you know show you all of its tricks up its sleeve regarding historical retelling um but on the second question there could you just remind me james what that was just um if the you find that the sort of obvious obfuscation ah, of, of um, mecha mechanics sort yeah of hiding itself. them in yeah. the back end yes of course so uh yeah, it, it's, it is similar to Immortality, but just to show you what this is like. So you're going to be... The game basically goes... It, it gives you something that the Telltale games do. You you know, character will remember this. Right. But yeah. there is never... Unlike the Telltale games, the Telltale games normally set up an event that goes, okay, so you've got a decision to make. And then when the character goes... When, when the game goes, you, the character will remember this. You know that, okay, this was a pivotal moment. You might just be having a conversation with someone tending their garden and you might just be talking about the sexy ladies in town and boom, character will remember this and you go, <laughs> oh shit. And you won't know when this is going to come into play because as I said, with the Telltale games, there's an expectation that because they're normally episodic, within an hour or two, there's going to be an event that calls upon this or maybe in the next episode, but there's an expectation that soon I'm going to see the result of this. Well, this game does it a bit differently. There are characters I told stories to as children. They remember, and you know, I would tell them about um, the cat in the cradle, uh, a fable from a, a Flemish fable from uh, northern Belgium or south of the Netherlands. 
And then the character, you know, goes, this character will remember that. And this character's like three years old. I see that character 20 years later. And that's become like a foundational part of them growing up. They're fixated on myth and fable. And when I meet them, you know, 20 years later or whatever, they go, oh, you know, I tell them, you know, I remember you. I used to tell you stories as a kid. And they go, oh, that's that one thing that I remember. And that shapes their relationship of how they remember their first association with you. And it's not just trivial either. They might be a character that has information to solve a murder and they might be endeared to you because you took the time to humor them as a child. So this game, you know, it's quite happy to show you some of the cards up its sleeve and go, okay, you know, these events are going to have some consequence. We're going to tell you that, but we're not going to tell you if it's good or bad or when, um, or even if it happens because that character might die before something comes to pass some event might malign them out of the story, or you might just choose not to interact with them ever again. So it's it's just a tease, I think. It's just to show you that the game knows and the game wants you wants to keep you on the hook that, you know, there is consequence to all of these little mundane conversations as well as the big event conversations that do occur. They are there, but the game wants you to... It, I, the, the What I think it's trying to do is it's trying to... Um, tempt you to have those mundane conversations with the simple folk because there is consequence there and it's just reminding you that that might play into something bigger nice i mean to give you any idea of how hard you've sold me on this i just resubbed to game pass so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go <laughs> so yeah as i mentioned there earlier do i've given this a 10 i've come with I don't have much interest at all in Middle English European history. In fact, I didn't know much about it at all. Uh, the The simple writing of this game and the fact that there's loads of contextualized glossary. So if there are words appearing, references, cities, states, people, characters, um, you just press the select button and the game will just sort of zoom out and give you images and a quick bit of text that's going to contextualize and glossarize what you've seen. So I actually learned a hell of a lot about this time period and the events leading up to it that might have defined Europe at this time. You might not have much of an interest in that, and that's okay. And as a result, you might bounce off this game, and that's also okay, because I do think that a part of why this game is a masterpiece is this game I don't think would exist if not for the Microsoft acquisition of Obsidian, because this game is certainly not trying to sell itself to all people. I think there's a very narrow audience here. Um, So if it's not for you, I say don't feel bad about that. You know, you don't have to love every 10. You don't have to play every 10. And um, you're certainly not an uneducated or uninteresting person to not like this. It is what it is. It's indulgent. It's indulgent to a fault. Nice. Good Lord, that sounds like a Nathan Hennessy game through and through. It turned out to be, yeah, it did, it did. And I think, Um, I really think Zach Jackson will uh, salivate over this. I'll be very excited to see uh, what he thinks. I think he'll have to make it a pledge game, though, because... Uh, yeah. You know, it's going to be like a sixty-hour game for the poor guy. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it'll it'll take him most of next year to to get through. But yeah, we foolishly thought it was going to be a you know a shorter game because it looks like a point-and-click game. They're normally ten hours at a max. Yeah, this game's got a lot a lot of story to cover. Oh, I feel bad for the poor man, but um, yeah, being that a core crux of Pentiment is solving a mystery, that's uh, somewhat like a puzzle, you would say, yeah. 
I would disagree. Yeah, I, I think that's a for good the purposes way. for the purposes of this segue. <laughs> I'll, I'll be going I'll for forty three minutes. You need I'll, to give him this. I'll, re- <laughs> I'll repeat this. You would say that investigating a murder is similar to a puzzle, yeah? I would definitely say that you would say that. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> Speaking of puzzles, James, you've been reviewing a, yes. a completely different game in A Little to the Left. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about it? So A Little to the Left is um, quite a quaint little puzzler. Um, you've you've essentially got a, um, I think it's like six levels worth of around, I think it's 70 puzzles-ish all up. Uh, these are based on the, the mundane cleaning up of a house. So let's say you've got a stack of books that you want to get into like a nice aesthetically pleasing pile. Uh, you've got a bunch of um, books on a shelf that need to be rearranged to form like a pattern on the spines. Little simple things like that. You open up a drawer and there's a bunch of cutlery that's all loose and now it needs to be put back into its appropriate spot. You get the general idea that you're looking at this for 70-ish levels. Um, it's very lovely, uh, I-, I would say. Like the, I think this thing was initially shown off during uh, Microsoft's like little quaint core uh display whatever their wholesome direct i think it was um and it is entirely that experience like this is made for millennials on the internet who need like a (laughs) adulting cuteness kind of puzzle in their in their life um and in that sense i think it's very successful um the problem i'm having with it uh is that it wasn't on my phone um so it will be coming to mobile i think sometime next year Um, But as it stands, you can grab this on the Switch or the PC. And I did not enjoy playing this with a controller. Um, It it felt very antithetical to the relaxation vibe that it was going for because the inputs just don't feel the way that they need to feel to me. Uh, And so because of that, um, I ended up in this kind of like holding pattern with the game where like, yeah, like you're a lovely little thing. I just never want to pick you up. Um, and, and I, I taught, this is kind of like the thesis of my review. I don't know if that's just because of the input method or if there's some deeper things with the game that I, I wasn't grappling with. Um, but I come away from this with a, like a deep appreciation for what it is. Uh, it's a two person studio as well. I think this is their first commercial product. Like I love this for them. This is fantastic little entryway. And I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy this. I just didn't love it um and so i, I kind of went with the idea of like it's not you it's me like you're a good game i'm sorry i'm i'm not feeling it for you um but i would love to check it out again on on mobile next year and and give this another crack because i think it deserves a good input method um it's just a controller or um, mouse and keyboard is is not the way you want to play this game Going off the assumption that you've played it, of course, would people that enjoyed unpacking get a similar feel for this or is it kind of its own thing entirely? Um, I, I could see some similarities. I, I haven't played unpacking. I watched some streams of it though. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I think they said specifically their goal was to turn the mundane into the sublime. And so the idea nice. being that you've got a, a crooked picture on the wall, you need to straighten it out. And then you get the little pating. You did the, you did the puzzle. Well done. Um, and so those little micro instances of fixing something that's slightly irritating you in your everyday life, um, sort of like unpacking a box correctly. Um, you know, I, I could definitely see a, a bit of crossover in that. And it's, it's like I said, like it feels tailor made for a certain type of adult, um, yep. I think that's maybe as broad as I can, I can go without offending anybody. Um, but it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Do, do you think you would have enjoyed it more if you used a dance dance revolution pattern or a guitar hero controller? Um, I mean, I think that would have made for a more interesting review. 
Fair enough. Dance Dance, Dance, Dance Revolution is a good one. Um, how long How long did it take you to go from front to oh, back? It's two to three hours. Um, yeah. This is a, a pretty Sounds swift right. thing. Yeah. Which again is why like you just, you want to play it sort of five minutes at a time in bed yeah. at the end of the day. You know, it, it feels like it's meant for those moments. And I, I mentioned this in the review, but like sitting down in a gamer chair and then getting your hands on your little you know, freaky boy, uh, keyboard and mouse is, is just not, it, it's not in, inducive to a relaxing experience. It doesn't feel right for the vibe of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It feels, yeah, definitely sounds like it'd be at home on mobile, maybe even on switch, I suppose, if it can utilize the touchpad. Utilize it ever. And it annoys yeah. me. I remember yeah. when I first played Pokemon sword and children go, why can't I just touch the, touch the thing? Truly, on the screen? Let me pat my Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let me um, flick Charizard away. Oh, <laughs> flick, flick Charizard something, yeah. Okay, Don't you on. dare. Uh, James, what score did you rest on with a little to the left? I went with a 7.5. It felt diplomatic because... Again, I really don't know if there's deeper problems with the game or if it is purely just me. And so, like, it deserves a decent Metacritic score. Like, this is one of those things where, like, scores really are a problem for me sometimes because, like, you read my piece and I feel like I, I do a pretty good job of sort of explaining the the emotional mm. journey I went on with the game. But, like, I can't slap a 6 or an 8 on the end of that and have it be representative of my experience. And so, yeah, here we are. Limitations of, of the medium. Nah, that's that's fair. It's um it's one that I'm I'm keen on, but I'm not rushing to to play after reading your yeah. review. I think I might give it some give it some breathing room. But uh yeah. yeah, it it looks like a relaxing experience to some degree. Um it has other- to be on mobile. Like I get yeah. what you're saying, man. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, I will say though, just to, to give them credit where credit is due though, the, uh, like the approachability options this game has, like it, it very much wants you to be able to move on to the next thing if you get stuck. So you can just straight up skip a puzzle and it doesn't give you any sort of punishment for that. Um, and the hint system is very, it's simultaneously very generous. You can just get the whole answer if you want, or, uh, you can just erase sort of part of like a bit of a cloud obscuring it to see part of the answer. So you can at least get like a head start on things hey, like so this cool. thing. It, yeah, exactly. It wants to be played. It wants to be liked. And I think it does a good job of, of all of that stuff on a phone one day. <laughs> but hey, if you're, if you're not, uh, not too keen on relaxing by organizing things, maybe a, a yoga retreat would be more apt. Speaking of which, I, uh, I've been playing The Chant, uh, a little psychedelic psychological horror survival horror maybe game um it's the the first game by developer brass token um so it's set on glory island where the main character jess has been invited from her friend kim to join the prismatic science spiritual retreat which sounds like my worst fucking nightmare um but yeah that's kind of the the setup you're heading to this remote island um to go and i don't know balance your chakra or whatever you do on a on a uh, retreat like that. Um, and things kind of shit hits the fan pretty quickly. Uh, you get the idea that it's kind of a culty vibe cause they're all wearing white and wear, and they've got uh, like crystals everywhere and there's no electricity and this, that, and the other. Um, but things really go off the rail when you're doing this ritual, um, which probably isn't the greatest start to begin with. Um, but someone breaks the circle more or less and it, it collides with, another plane of existence called the gloom which is it's kind of stranger things-esque so there's 
little pockets of the island that have this reality warping goo, I suppose. And there are these plant-based monsters that uh, appear in this in this goo, in the gloom. Um, the, the monster design is actually really cool. Uh, it is very organic looking. Um, and yeah, they're, they're not particularly scary, but they're very interesting. But yeah, you'll spend the next six-ish hours exploring the the island and gathering crystals to to redo the ritual to kind of close the seam in reality. Um, but you're not just walking around and kind of avoiding monsters. There is combat in the game. It's kind of clunky combat, but it gives you a little bit more to do. Um, so you attack monsters with uh, burning sage or uh, I think they're called witch sticks. They're kind of different variations of sage, more or less, because that's kind of the vibe that it's going for. Um, so you can do a light and a heavy attack, you can evade, and you also unlock these like spiritual abilities. So you can push monsters back with your mind, you can turn invisible, and so on and so forth as you collect the crystals throughout the game. Um, so that kind of adds a nice little wrinkle. Uh, the combat though really shows it's wonkiness once you have more than maybe two or three enemies um, that you can get overwhelmed pretty easily and it just fails to be fun and the scares kind of just get thrown to the side once there's a few too many enemies on screen. Um, so that's a little bit unfortunate. Uh, the story itself is kind of cool. You don't see the the psychedelic psychological horror really brought up very much um, and some of the little stories that are told because you more or less each branch of the island, you have a different player, a different character that comes with you and it kind of tells their story and their backstory and their their trauma and what brought them to the retreat. And some of those little side stories are actually pretty interesting. Um, overall, the story takes a real hard left turn at the end. You fight this big, incredibly shit boss at the end and it just kind of finishes off. And there's one of, I think there's three different endings um, and it's all based on dialogue options that you choose throughout the story that mean nothing in the moment. Um, you can say, fuck you, or, hey, do you want to be friends to this person? It won't matter at the time, but it's literally to tick a box to get to the ending. Um, none of the endings are interesting whatsoever, and they all just kind of finish black screen credits and that's it. But, hey... That's that's okay. If you want to replay it, the game, it, you could get through it in like three hours tops. So if you're a, a completionist, oh. um, you could really smash through it. I think it took me around five hours to get through it. But if you know what you're doing on subsequent playthroughs, you can, you can blast through it pretty easily. Um, the only other part of gameplay that I haven't covered is that there are three different meters, um, which is mind, body, and soul. Um, the body is pretty self-explanatory. You get hit, you lose health. Mind, if you get caught in darkness or you're confronted by horrors, you start to lose that and eventually that starts eating away at your body. Um, and spirit is kind of like mana. So that's how you use your abilities. So you kind of have to uh, you have to balance those three meters and, and try to stay alive and sane. Um, that's all pr like easily enough done. You gather resources, you level up little skill trees and um, there's some crafting involved, so with weapons and uh, different items that you can, like salt that you can throw at enemies, again, because it's all spiritual and whatnot. Um, the game's not massively scary. It's, like I said, more kind of atmospheric, but I had a good enough time with it. I gave it a 6.5. It's not something that I'll be looking to go back to, um, but I think it's a good first game for Brass Token. I can definitely see 
where they're probably going next, um, like coming to the end of the game. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to what they do next, but this one I could probably take or leave. Uh, yeah, I wasn't mad that I played it, but I'm not going back in any hurry. That's for sure. Mate, Adam, I got, I got no questions, but good, good on you. You managed to go through that entire review talking all that, you know, wishy-washy spiritual bullshit. You kept a straight face the entire time. <laughs> Witch sticks throwing salt at enemies. You got to collect the crystals to save the realm, you know, the gloom. And as, as much as I enjoyed the, the well, as I enjoyed the story, but the some of the writing was interesting, especially with some of the characters that are more entrenched in that spiritualism. I, 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 my eyes rolled pretty heavily at points, but hey, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's decent. If you like horror games, it'll take you like four hours. So if you're, if you're bored one afternoon, um, all right, moving out of the reviews that we've, we've got, cause I've got one here for myself, but we'll talk about it next week because I haven't quite played enough of it. Um, discussion topic wise, before we get into the news, the game awards 2022, the nominees have been announced. We're not going to go through all of them because good God, we've already been recording for almost an hour. Holy shit. Sorry. That time flies. Nah. Um, but I did want, if we can all just open up the, the lovely article that I put together this morning, I just wanted to see, I'm, I'm just headed to press start right now. I want <laughs> <laughs> that, that hurts me more than, you know, um, <laughs> I wanted to know if there are any thoughts, surprises or snubs. So whether there's surprise nominees that you wouldn't expect to be in certain categories or more likely there are snubs that were disappointed didn't get a nod for game of the year or one of the different categories. Look, I'll, I'll go first and, and say if I'm reading the room correctly here, there's probably one game in particular that's in the game of the year category that we're scratching our heads at. What do we think that might be? Is Scratch, is Scratch one of the... What, is that Scratch a clue? Is, Scratch is not the clue, no. Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West. I understand that more than Stray because while yeah. I enjoyed Stray, I think the only reason Stray is on there is because you play as a cat. Look, I haven't finished <laughs> Stray to know. I have finished Horizon, but yeah, look, I can I can appreciate that Stray is an, an odd one as well. It's just uh, yeah, Horizon Forbidden West. It it was okay. If yeah. that was going to be there, I'd also expect something. Yeah, like... Yeah, I, I I think the thing with Horizon is yeah, it did get a bit like. Uh, flow. It did fly a little bit under the radar because of when it came out, similar <laughs> to how it, you know, came out next to Breath of the Wild when the first one came out. Um, but even outside of that context, the game is just decidedly okay. Yeah. And I would not be surprised if part of the reason it's up here is just because Sony games are presented really well. It's a it's a prestige pick, isn't it? I was yeah. gonna say the optics of it make perfect sense to me. Like yeah. stray. Yeah, and, and this isn't a, a comment on the quality of Stray because I haven't actually played the game yet. It, it looks cute and whatnot, but that's the one that is in that list that I'm like, how did you get in there? Um, just from a purely optics of the Game Awards point of view. Sure. I'd, I'd, I'll just quickly throw two cents in there. Really pleased to see Xenoblade Chronicles 3 in there. I don't think it's a serious contender, but I do think it is 
the year's strongest JRPG by a country mile. So to have a, a like a genre, a crown genre king make it into mm. that there, I, I think is, is really cool. So good on them. I, I think they're punching above their weight. Yeah, I would, Australia's definitely the standout one for me that doesn't fit the game of the year category. Um, category. Um, <laughs> Do I think there are other categories that it would fit into? Yes, um, like oh, yeah. debut indie or just indie game in general, sure. Um, but if we're going to throw an indie game into the Game of the Year conversation, I would put my hand up for Sifu, which came out way back in February, because I think that game is mm-hmm. the absolute tits. Um, but if we're going off critical reception, I think Immortality would deserve to be up in the Game of the Year conversation. I'm yeah, surprised it's not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd happily swap that out for Strain Offense on Australia. Just it, it, you know, it comfortably belongs there. Yeah, like yeah, I definitely don't want to to shit on Stray by any by any means, but yeah, it feels like something like Immortality for for this kind of platform would make a bit more sense. Um, the other one that we talked about in our chat earlier today that was a little bit surprising to me was best narrative being that Elden Ring was thrown in there. How do we, how do we feel about Elden Ring and best narrative? Take it away. <laughs> like take it out of the, the category or you? No, no. I mean, I'm, I want to hear James and Jordan. I'm sure they've got two different views on this quite strong. Uh, I really can't form an opinion on this one. It's a head scratcher for me. Um, Okay, so, okay, not not to be contentious off the bat, right? But I think if you're going to, with a straight face, tell me that God of War Ragnarok can be nominated for its writing, but not Elden Ring, I think that's kind of absurd. Um, sure. Even if we, like, I, I'm happy to acknowledge that Ragnarok hits a lot of very comfortable beats uh, based on, like, I've hit about 10 hours into it now. I see the appeal of the story it's telling. Um, I think the writing is, like my personal opinion, not not crash hot on it, but I understand why it fits into like the sort of best narrative, again, for the optics of the Game Awards, right? But I think, you know, Nathan, you said before when you were talking about um, Penitent, but like there's good writing and then there's good writing. Um, and, mm. and sometimes I feel like God of War gets swept up in the first version of good writing. And something like Elden Ring, which doesn't forefront its writing, I think it's very easy to forget how well written it is. And because it was also quite a few months back as well at this point, you know, recency bias does play a role in a lot of the game of the year kind of conversations that we have. Um, and so I think, I think it deserves its place there, especially if we're going to be considering what, it, what is essentially like blockbuster level writing to me in the same category. How do you feel, Jordan? Um, I, I actually agree with a lot of James's points. Uh, even just playing through Ragnarok now, I feel like a lot of its writing is very safe. More, it's a very basic story. It's just told a little bit more than competently. Um, <laughs> I can see James. <laughs> Sorry, I tried so hard to keep that in. I <laughs> Um, my my issue... being controversial in saying like the, the level of performances elevates the writing because i feel like yeah the no absolutely the, yeah, 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 yeah i'd agree with that it, it, it's it's presented really really well um my my thing is i perceive best narrative as like the main stories that the game tells you in your key or milestone achievements throughout the game or your main adventures and it's hard to really put Elden Ring in that box because not only other stories are the weird things that happen to you when you play the game given that 
it's just such a broad open game but it's actual like moment to moment story from when you start as the tarnish and you go all the way through to the elden tree and whatever and then you've you know beat the elden beast who's just like where the fuck did that come from that stuff isn't told particularly well and it's not entirely that interesting where Elden Ring's strengths are, are with its smaller quests and like the, the lore and the backstory and stuff like that, where it's also intricately written that you wish it was actually a story that was told to you, but the game is already 100 hours. You don't want to make it 1,000 hours. That, that, that's where my argument for it not being best narrative lies, more just that the straightforward story isn't there. Yeah, it, I, esoteric as, as from software is like to yeah, be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's all a mute point anyway. Like immortality should win this, so you know that's <laughs> that's my take. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree. That's also a, I, I'll a probably say immortality or a Plague Tale Requiem. Yeah, um, is the writing in a Plague Tale Requiem better than the first game? Because like I thought the first game had a great story, but I thought its moment to moment writing was again pretty like eh. couldn't agree more. I, okay. I, I Having think, played it very recently. I, I think <laughs> it's similar to God of War, except it doesn't get that prestige factor with it either. Yeah, so it, gotcha. Because it delivers it in such a concise manner in the same way God of War does without having that prestige, I feel like it, it deserves it more because it has more to overcome. Yeah, fair enough. In the uh, interest of time, because uh, I know we can be very indulgent here and, and you know, that would be fantastic. Best indie, best indie debut. Uh, look, there's there's one title that that hurts me deeply that isn't here for either of them and it's Signalis, which was mm. until recently yeah. my most adored indie of the year. I don't think it was the best but the one that I was just my absolute guilty pleasure. And what I see on the net is I'm not the only one in this basket. Yeah. Uh, people seem to be loving the fuck out of this game. Do, do you think and maybe also that's just... just uh, do you think sorry, maybe, go on. Do you think that's maybe just because there hasn't been enough time for it to really make its massive mm-hmm. wave? So the people that put this list together didn't necessarily consider it? Oh, look, yeah, there's, you know, Ragnarok just just snuck in, but Ragnarok was a game that had to be at the top of anyone's radar yeah, if they wanted yeah. their website to make money. Signalis is the niche pick. Uh, so, yeah, look, in fairness, uh, there's not very recent picks in that indie lineup for either category. You know, they're at least a couple of months old, so you're probably right, Jordan. It's, it still cuts me deep because it ain't going to qualify for next year, and, and that's a big mm-hmm. shame. But, of course, best indie is noticeably missing old mate immortality yeah is immortality considered an indie good question is it yeah. i don't know strictly speaking don't... it's a semantic thing isn't it how does right. one define it strictly yeah. speaking it's the issue yeah. we have every year when it comes to the doing our own game of the year awards is what quantifies an indie game do they have to actually be independent or can Fully something independent. yeah yeah or can something like Cause... pentiment which has that kind of indie feel to it still qualify mm, so yeah it's a tough one yeah it's tricky and like something we annapurna have to... is is not an independent like it, i don't think it should be considered indie um in 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 the um i guess the the vibe sense of what we talk about when we talk about indie games right i think you reach a certain size as a company and you have enough resources behind you that the indie label maybe starts to get a bit wobbly yeah, it's a it's definitely a conversation that we've I think touched on before and we'll definitely have again, but it's I think what an indie is now is definitely different to what it was maybe 5 to 
seven years ago. It's yeah. less of like three people working in their garage and more like uh, a feel. Cause like even something like Devolver, like they're a massive, massive mm. publisher now, but anything that they put their name to is still an indie title. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard, but yes, agreed. It is a, it's a very interesting, uh, interesting topic, but yeah, some, some good thoughts, some good surprises, some good snubs there, boys, but we should get to the news desk. It, uh, it makes me sad every time that we don't have a little sound, a little sound bite to go to the make, news. Make one right now and I'll make it the sound No, I'm bite. not, I'm not doing it. I'm okay. not doing Do it. I'm do just it? saying. Well, I was, I was about thing. to jump in because I thought that silence needed something in there, but then I realized I was just going to be doing the one that, um, I think it's like kind of funny used to do like way back in the day. And I was like, I can't just steal that. That's not how this works. Just call yourself Philip Mewson and do it. Oh. Jesus. Mm. Jesus. Anyway, moving swiftly along, uh, <laughs> Some headlines, there are some quickfire ones, and actually there's uh, there's the Nintendo Indie. Most of them are quickfire, so uh, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is getting its next-gen, hear that, Zach, next-gen, so new-gen update, he hates the next-gen thing, um, on December 14th, so it's going to... Yes. It's going to look all pretty. It's got ray tracing. It's got uh, extended mod support on PC. Um, <gasps> and if you don't own the game already, there's going to be a complete edition that they're going to release that will probably be way more expensive than it should be, but it will include all of the, the game of the year details as well. So like the, the two DLC, uh, paid mm-hmm. DLCs as well as all of the free ones. Don't there you well. have a collection like that? Yeah, but it's like, it's with the... Complete edition. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, with, it's with the update on it too. With the update. But... You okay. could also just buy a cheaper copy and do the update. Anyway, that doesn't can matter I, too much. Can I play a it. game I've already completed for next year? I mean, if it has a different Bloodborne. <laughs> Not you, no, Jordan. I'm, I'm being half serious, but uh, this is exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm keen. I, I was definitely going to replay it when this next-gen update was coming out last year. I don't know if I will have the time now to do it coming out December 14th. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I love Witcher 3, so I would be keen to get back to it. Um, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I was going to say, Jordan, you definitely won't. James, does it does it tickle your pickle enough to jump back into the continent? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've only played the first like five or so hours of Witcher 3, and that was before I read the books this year. Um, so nice. I, I've been like putting this off because I knew eventually this update would hit, and like I wanted to do it over Christmas. So this is beautiful. Ah, what good timing. I Oops. know. Um, yeah, I'm excited for you, my friend. You'll have a grand old time. Um Next up, Forever Skies, uh, a game that I previewed a couple of months ago now, is not going to hit early access this year and has instead been pushed back to 2023. Um, As we'd all expect, they just got an influx of feedback and they want to expand the scope a little bit. Um, So they're just pushing it back, which good for them. I found the, the demo to be interesting but a little bit bare so um, yeah i'm keen to see that was subnautica in the sky right yes yeah, pretty much man yeah. pretty much yep. yeah but it had some yeah some interesting bits and pieces to it that i think if fleshed out would be genuinely a good time so yeah i'm i'm keen for them to take as much time as they need uh the final forspoken deep dive video was released uh and it explored the world being uh athia Geez, it looks pretty. Geez, it looks like there's fuck all to do, even in the the deep dive video. I I know I'm going to enjoy the gameplay, but I don't think I'm going to enjoy enjoy it's any Square of the Enix game, right? It. it is. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, that makes I'll, sense. Then. 
I'll level with you, having played the preview now context. The preview was its own, they say it's its own separate part. It's not in the final game. It's just its own secluded thing. There were things to do in the open world and none of them felt fulfilling. They were like the most base things. Like you could find a chest and do a little puzzle and open it and it would give you a gear piece that, that maybe didn't even have a cosmetic. Like I think all, you, all the only customizable gear piece were her cloaks and they were just like some obscure stat that's not going to mean shit all to you. So it was neither yeah. here nor there. And that was it. It definitely, it definitely looked that way. Like they were trying to jazz up finding like the, the Ubisoft checklist. They were trying to, to jazz up the fact that you could go and find these monoliths in the world. And they had some reason to be there and they were connected to the, the antagonist. And I couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. It looks boring. Yeah. I but, did all that stuff. It was real bottom rung stuff. Yeah. Yes. Not, not, not exciting. The gameplay looks fun though. And I know that I'm going to get stuck with the review for this. So hopefully the game's fun. Uh, I, Look, last time you said that was uh, Halo Infinite. Mm. 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 Moving swiftly. <laughs> uh, the FIFA 23 World Cup update is available now. I know fuck all about FIFA, and I know that the three of you know fuck all about FIFA. So thank you for that news piece, Zach. I'm sure it's fantastic. Jordan, Control yes. 2's been announced. Tell us. Yes. Uh, I mean... Wow, two thumbs down. Wow. Uh, I, I see, I mean, company people that don't like good games. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but no, I mean, not much more to say. Control 2 got announced. Uh, it's a co-development and co-publishing, uh, co-publishing agreement with 505 Games. Um, if I recall, they published uh, the first one. Yeah. Um, it's right now it's sitting at around 50 million euros as its uh, investment which is a decent chunk of change. Uh, Remedy gets to maintain control the control IP, which is cool because I like it when the developers have the IP and not the publishers because uh, then you get Crash Bandicoot sitting dormant for, what was it, like a decade? Um, outside of that, it's not coming anytime soon. They already have their hands full with like a million other projects uh, and it's still using their, I think it's the Northlight engine, which, you know, it's a technical marvel, so uh, yeah. Maybe they could remedy their way to a better script. Thank you. I mean, yeah. I, d- I did like playing the game, though. I'll, g- I'll definitely give you that. I think it looks great. Yeah. I think it played relatively well, except for the map. I didn't particularly care for any of that stuff. Agreed. Um, but yeah, the again, the writing. I, I realized it, this year writing is what's killing me in, it, in it a lot felt of like games. Mo- it felt more like uh, a game rather than a story. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's fine, honestly. And I anyway. haven't played it. <laughs> ah. Not missing much. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed messages. Hey, I hear it's great. I hear it's shit. Um, speaking of shit. No, nah, that's not fair. Nintendo's great. Uh, the Nintendo <laughs> Indie World Showcase. Settle down, Zach. Took fucking kids <laughs> games. Um, took place a few days ago, showing off heaps and heaps and heaps of indie games, none of which really grabbed me outside of Have a Nice Death, but I was already keen for that anyway did any of you boys catch this it's in early access yeah okay i didn't even know this thing happened i saw this in the news lineup i was like what uh there's Um, this game that i think james will be keen on called a little to the left (laughs) good is any is anyone keen on sports story did anyone play golf story i'm interested yes and yes so this was exciting because this game is sort kind of like 
we knew it was coming, but we've not heard anything about this game in forever. For them to now just go, hey, it's coming out, what, like a couple of weeks or something? Like right around the corner. See, this is the funny thing. Everyone's been waiting for a release date for it, right? I know there's a, a decent amount of hype, like for an indie title. It's coming out in December. Ooh, yes. But there's, so there's no specific is... release date, though, just December. Ah, look, that's better than what we've had. It yeah, is, it, yeah. It looks... The only other thing that I would say is uh, I, I adored Rogue Legacy, the original, so, and I was holding out that we'd get the sequel on Switch. That's why I haven't played it yet. It's coming. It's coming, what, February 14, 2023. So happy Nathan. Rogue Legacy. Kicks that could be us. your Valentine's Day gift to yourself. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, um, Nathan. <laughs> buy, buy a game just for it to go straight to the backlog. Ooh, I'll play this one, baby. Speaking of going on cute dates, Nathan, DreamHack 2023 got some dates. Tell us about it. It did indeed. So this was quite a surprise because DreamHack, it felt like DreamHack only just happened. It had its first, it, it premiered in uh, Rod Laver Arena, Melbourne, its first Australian touchdown. This is the, I think DreamHack was originally like a Swedish thing. So it's a combination of a esports event with like, headlining competitions like finals as well as a big bring your own pc LAN party uh now i didn't check out the bring your own pc LAN party but i have a lot of excitement sympathy for those that get around that as someone that used to do a lot of lands keeping that scene alive means so much to me i'm really excited for you folks getting around it but the the meat here is it's less than six months away Woo! it's coming in april 28 to april 30 nice long weekend three-day event. Looks like it's going to be at Rod Laver Arena again. Uh, Monster have already shown their interest in sponsoring this one again. Don't know if you heard, but Monster were there basically just tossing monster cans at people constantly. Like, if you want a monster can, they had a booth. Whatever flavor, they were just tossed at you. They had fridges full of shit just going off. And it's funny because they had vendors all around the venue selling monster for like six bucks a can. Fuck you. I'm getting a free can. Um, I, yeah, I, I filled up my, uh, satchel with like six cans each day. Uh, Kieran knows this cause I go visit him afterwards and I'll be like pinging off the walls. So, uh, yeah, dream hack. If you, uh, you'll get your money's worth in free monster cans, get around it. I love that so much of what you just told us was based off the beverages that you get for free. <laughs> I mean, there's also Halo Championship Series. There's going to be the League of Legends COs. So the Circuit Oceania Finals. And, of course, the big headliner uh, for this year. And the same as last... Oh, sorry, excuse me. Next year, as was this year, will be the Counter-Strike Global Offensive ESL Challenger Series. You don't have to have any interest in CSGO. You don't have to have any interest in esports. You sit in that crowd. You will feel the vibe like it is electric i was out of my seat cheering i didn't really know what the fuck was going on but everyone was having a time and when you've got that kind of community spirit driving the audience it's phenomenal so uh dream hack go for the uh, csgo stay for the free monster absolutely love that hey nathan he's still playing battlefield 2042 mate tell me i am my friend yes i am you you might be joined by a whole bunch a, a couple more players, players. At least, at least three or four, because the game is coming to Game Pass um, during its third season, um, which will also introduce uh, a new map, a new specialist, a few other bits and pieces. James, Jordan, mm. will the game, 
James, I know you just subscribed to Game Pass again. I did. Uh, I did, yeah. Will uh, will you be downloading Battlefield 2042 now that you've done that? I, I don't know if I'm going to be the 16th player to jump online for that, um, but uh, <laughs> prob- probably not. Ouch. Fair. Jordan, I already know the answer. Are you going to get around it? Well, what, what do you think my answer is? Absolutely not. Just despite you, I'll do it. <laughs> Good. Ah, fair this play. Makes sense. See you on the battlefield. Yeah, so I'll be the 16th and James <laughs> can be the 7th, the 17th. Yeah, nice. yeah okay. 7th. <laughs> if, if we can get a squad going, sure. <laughs> we had so much fun squadding up in the beta. Man, it that was, was such a, play. Hey, hey, a if, janky good From time. what I've heard, it never left beta, so. Uh, it's it's getting close. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost there, we promise. It's almost there. Uh, that's it for the the news wrap up though. So we'll move into the old off topics. What have we been watching, listening to what's been going on in the week that you, you want to tell the people about? Well, I was editing this podcast last week and noticed a lack of a nineties film of the week. Yeah. I've, uh, I've actually taken, I've taken to canceling it. You'll notice in the doc that I've, I've put a big scratch through it. It's canceled. It's canceled. Um, temporarily at least with, uh, without Mr. Jackson mm. here. I'm sure he'll be back with maybe I 2000s mean, of the week. We, we could just search up a 90s film of the week and then just talk about it because that's what he did. He didn't watch it. I, I legitimately watch. considered doing that this week, but I didn't want him to feel like I was attacking him while I wasn't here. <laughs> so. What, were you going to pick a good movie instead? Yeah, I mean, what a concept, right? <laughs> Oof. Oof. <laughs> now, we'll leave the, the 90s film of the week for for old Zach Daddy and, he, and his... Uh, his one, his main critic, Buddy Watson. But yeah, what else have we got for, for off topics, boys? Anything going? So, so since the last time I was on the podcast, I watched two more episodes of uh, Demon Slayer, and I think it's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. The animation is great, but the story is just fuck me. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's all style, no substance. Do they I slay mean, demons? Yeah. yeah, but there's too much talking in between that. It's empty. Yeah. It's it's beautiful to watch. It's it is. not much of an investment though. Like yeah, I, I switched off to the point where I think somewhere during season two I just decided I ain't coming back. <laughs> so do the I'm weebs good, love thanks. it just so they can cosplay as the characters? Is that the the vibe that I'm getting? That, that must be a factor. Probably because they're just a katana in it. And they go, oh my god, it's the best. There's a katana. But yeah, it, it's it's visually stunning. Yeah, um, yeah. I watched Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Oh, tell, yeah. tell, tell me. Tell me, tell me, tell me. don't know that I particularly enjoyed it. Like, a vi- mm. <laughs> like we discussed with Demon Slayer, I liked it visually. You know, I thought there was a lot of really cool, you know, uh, Cronenbergian stuff going on with all these like sort of almost Geiger-esque inventions mm. that are mm. helping people live longer, better lives, you know, like the digestion seat and things like that, that align your spine and body to make food digestion easier. There's a lot of cool things in it, but it wasn't really for me carried by a interesting plot like there is a plot there it doesn't spend too much time concerned with it and as a result i found a lot of the dialogue was not that interesting to me because whenever the dialogue was about the plot it wasn't directly tied to it It was kind of like vaguely in the field so i felt like i had to do a lot of work 
to make the story make a lot of sense. And then when it ended, I realized that the story actually wasn't that complex for no. es- esoteric. Yeah, it's shockingly as the simple. Was. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's a cop story. That's all it is. It 100% um, was. So yeah. I enjoyed the world and what was going on in it as a curiosity. And I enjoyed the film as a curiosity. Uh, I would not recommend it to anyone unless they found it themselves. You know, I wouldn't say you got to go watch this, but if someone going, oh, new Cronenberg film, I go, yeah, have fun. Did you did you find it funny? You mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. no, nah, I didn't get that. Interesting. Okay, cool. Like there was maybe one or two points where I'm like, if I'm being super sardonic, then maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like if I read this super literally, then it's just a bit absurd and that's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was never like, ha ha, <laughs> laugh out loud, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that was an interesting okay. yeah, observation no, from you. Yeah. yeah. James, what have you, uh, what I have watched, you got for us, mate? Uh, I went and saw Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, long? Yes. Very long, very That's long Marvel movie. Um, generally though, better than most Marvel movies. Uh, I found like there was definitely a lot of heart in this one. Um, it has the sort of impossible task of, of dealing with chat. Um, what's his name? Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick yep. Boseman. Yep. Yeah. Um, with, with his passing and sort of the, the impact on both the, the cultural footprint of Marvel and the in universe problems that that sort of arises. And I think it does a, an admirable job of both. Um, you know, it has one of probably the, the best opening to any Marvel movie. It's a nice cold open, um, flows really nicely. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was fine. Like, and for me to come out of a Marvel movie being like, yeah, it was fine is kind of high praise for me. And I don't say that to be a dickhead. I just, I know I don't like these movies. Um, but, the bar's but, been yeah. low of late. I think Adam will probably agree with me yeah, on that. Like it's 100%. definitely couch fair, but do you go to the cinema for it? Not so much lately. There's some, there's a couple sequences in this thing that I will say looked very nice on an IMAX screen and having like the, the sort of the big sound and the the like hushed reverence from the audience during certain segments and the, the reaction from them during other segments. It was a decent enough cinema experience. Um, Again, though, very long and there's good chunks of this movie that are a couch movie. Hmm. Yeah. I've been putting off going to see it, but I think Key and I are keen enough to, to watch it and I yeah specifically because of obviously the the real world events mm-hmm. um it it feels like something that's worth going to the cinema for so I think we will end up doing that but um April so. and I will go see it IMAX next week we're gonna do it this weekend but uh we're gonna do Hamilton <laughs> a bit of theater a little bit of theater <laughs> what a good old time um I don't have anything in the way of watching or listening. Listening, I have. I've been listening to the the Helix Station, the um, Callisto Protocol, oh. like prequel podcast. Yes, I was dying to know what you think of this thing. Heavy recommend. I'm I'm really okay. enjoying it. It's um I've got a, a an article idea that I'm I'm bumming about with that the prequel podcast prequel podcast is a great way to introduce uh, people to a new IP, particularly a horror IP. Um, because it sets the tone in a really interesting way. And I don't expect to be introduced to any of these characters, nor do I really want to, um, but it's a good entry point to the world. And I am beginning to be, like get invested in the universe before really actually being introduced to it in its, in its main medium. So I think it's doing a great job of kind of 
leading us towards Callisto Protocol. James, have you listened to any of the episodes so far? No, no, I haven't. Just because, and I said this on the podcast last week, but like to me, there's nothing I'd want to do less with my time than listen to a podcast to introduce me to a, a new IP. Just because I'm like, I don't know this world. I don't know why I would want to be invested in this kind of storytelling about it yet. But on the flip side to that, your reaction to it was kind of going to dedicate my interest in it. So um, I will check it out. Yeah, I was on the fence until I listened to the first episode because I thought it could go one of two ways. Like it could Mm. just be kind of detached and weird or it could kind of get me excited for it. And it's definitely done the latter. So I would recommend if at least just listen to the first episode and see how you go. But the, the biggest and exciting part of my week, which will happen on Thursday, so will have already happened by the time you're listening, I'm getting a new couch. I'm finally getting rid of the the colossal piece of shit that's been in my living room for ages and buying like a fake Chesterfield Jesus, lookalike. Just so, um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you're going to have to retry the last 10 seconds there, Adam. Sorry, we lost you. Oh, good. We lost you on Discord, but obviously yeah. you're still recording. Yeah, So you, you're getting rid of the colossal piece of shit. And that's all we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. What a great time to cut out. Uh, yeah. So getting rid of the massive couch that I've gotten downsizing a bit because it was a bit ridiculous. Um, and we're getting like a, a fake lookalike Chesterfield couch, which will definitely fit our aesthetic a little bit better. So you said Chesterfield couch, like I should know what that looks yeah, like. So like I dear listener, Nathan give that a Google. Immediately jump to Google. I'm, at, I'm on my way. <laughs> oh, it's like a the big leather studded couch. If you can oh, picture that. That yeah, yeah, helps yeah. a lot. Yeah, so it's it's definitely going to fit the space a bit better. But currently I'm playing um, God of War and Goat Simulator 3 on a beanbag just in front of my TV, which is (laughs) really so much worse. It's throwing me back to um, to like my early renting days. So it's a a nice little kick of nostalgia. But real real stoner hours up in here, boys. (laughs) Absolutely. I ain't getting out of this beanbag, baby. I was paying. uh, Chesterfield, like middle-class regal. I like it. (laughs) 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 Well, we're not going to top that, so we'll uh, (laughs) we'll call it an evening then, shall we, boys, unless there's anything else anyone's got? No. We've done well. Wonderful. If you want to read through any of the the wonderful output from the well-played crew, you can head on over to well-played.com.au. You'll find James's review of A Little to the Left. You'll find Nathan's 10 out of 10 review for Pentiment. You'll find my review of The Chant and a whole bunch of other tasty content. But until next week, we will see you later. Farewell. Say goodbye, Jordan. No. Don't be weird, Jordan. No. <laughs> I'm the token minority I can do what I want. <laughs>